Another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream. Hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, it's almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. From my personal mobile studio, my little Jetta Diesel TDI. And uh, today is March 27th, 2009. And I think this is episode 167. And maybe I'll get that right for a change. I'm not sure. Uh, but today what we're going to talk about is debt. I haven't really talked about debt as a wholesale subject for a while. So that's one of the things that I'm going to base today's show on is I'm going to talk about debt on two levels. I'm going to talk about how we got all this national debt and where the national debt actually comes from and how it actually works and why there's absolutely no way for the United States government to ever not be in debt. It can't happen under the current system. I'm going to mention a couple laws that are being kicked around in uh, Congress and the Senate right now uh, before I do that. And before I do any of that, I'm going to do my house cleaning at the beginning of the show, and I'm going to try to blow through it quickly today for you. Again, I will be at Wilderness Way's Big Dirt Time 09 event in San Bernardino, California in August. Details in a link on today's show notes. The Members Support Brigade is open for any and all to join. Go to the Survival Podcast. Click on Join the Member Support Brigade to join the Support Brigade and help out the Survival Podcast at $5 a month contribution or $50 a year. There is a way to pay cash or check or money order for people that want that option. Details at the site. Additionally, if you join the Member Support Brigade, you get access to exclusive members-only content, like the videos that we will be uploading this weekend on becoming a better rifle shot in three weeks without even going to your rifle range. Uh, Region 5, we are having a huge, um, well, we hope it's going to be huge anyway, bug out, camp out, slash get together down near Gulfway, Texas, around Memorial Day weekend. That's been put together by Dan Tanner. And uh, we shall give Dan a great big thank you. Details will be available in today's show notes, and there's a forum thread with more details on it. That wraps up today's house cleaning. Let's move on to the show. So let's start out with a couple bills that are being kicked around. And I want to, once again, I want to try to put a cap on some of the freaking hysteria that's out there. One is this farm bill. Again, I want it killed. I want it dead. Uh, Glenn Beck was supposed to discuss it last night. I called my son since I wouldn't be home. I had him DVR the Glenn Beck show for me. He did talk about the next bill I'm going to talk about, which is a voluntary service bill. And uh, there's some hysteria around that one, too. I also think it needs to be killed. But he didn't talk about the farm bill. So I don't really have any new information on the farm bill. I just want to reiterate. If you think this is about your home garden, not only are you mistaken, but you're missing the point. You're missing the real dangers in this bill. This bill is a turd. This bill gives amazing power to the federal government to regulate small farms and to track the transportation and relocation of food at a level that is unnecessary, too expensive, and oppressive. And it will damage and possibly put the small farms in America, and I'm talking the little farms, an acre, two acres, five acres, out of business. 
it is a move by big agriculture to suppress people that are competing on this local food movement. That's what it really is. So let's fight it that way. Uh, there, you can go to GovTrack.us. I'll put a link to this bill uh, in today's show notes. And you can contact not just your rep, contact the people on the committee that are considering it. There's another bill in play right now. It's called the GIFT Act, and it already passed the Congress, so now you need to call your senatorial clowns and tell them you're going to fire their ass if they pass this bill. This bill is being sensationalized by the tinfoil hat brigade. Is being, it's a new army, it's a civilian army, they're going to take our children, they're going to raise them up as brown shirts, and they're going to go out and march on the streets, and they're going to have guns, and it's an army, it's a draft. God, 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 will you people stop? Will you please read legislation, or at least summaries of legislation from credible sources, before you go out on these just ridiculous tangents? This bill is also a turd. This bill needs to be put down. What this bill does is appropriate billions of dollars to pay people that are supposed to be volunteers. America has more volunteers and more charities than any nation in America. This bill is trying to fix a system that isn't broken. The one thing that works right in this country is volunteerism and charity because the government keeps their freaking hand out of it. They don't want to keep their hand out of it. They want to put their hand in. This bill is going to get used to do things like, you know, go out and spur voter registration in inner city areas to make sure that Democrats stay in power. Power. Trust me, that's the kind of nonsense that's going to happen with this bill. The crux of this bill is that it takes some level of community service requirement and pushes it into our public education system. And as I understand that at this point, at this point, now these things change, they go to committees, they get riders, they get, you know, things taken out of them, they get negotiated. At this point, a public education system, the you know, school district, is basically being offered money. You take the money, you initiate the service requirement. You don't take the money, you do what you like. Now the problem is, you know how our school systems are. They're highly liberal. They highly lean toward anything that a guy like Barack Obama says. Most of them are going to take the money and then they're going to be saddled with the requirement. This is why you don't want government money. This is why every institution should stand up and say we don't want money from the government. Because money from the government is like money from the mob. You always got to do a favor for somebody after you take the money. Right? You go to Joey, Joey, Joey Demoni. You say, Joey, look, I need a loan. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, broke and I, I don't need a lot. I only need 500 bucks. And Joey goes, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You just, yeah, you need five bills. It's nothing. If you need a 10 G's, you know, five bills. We'll give it to you. We're friends here. You know, your daddy knows my daddy. You know, don't worry about it. Just take the 500 bucks. Forget about it. But I'll pay you back. No, no, no. You know what? One day maybe I'll need a favor. You do me a favor, right? That's taking money from the government. And I apologize for my bad uh, mafia impersonation. But best I could do. All right? That's exactly what's going on. This is, here's your money. Now you owe us a favor. And now we own you. And when you do us one favor, then you're going to do another favor. We're going to make the favors lead you into a point where you're completely owned by the, the mob, which is becoming our government. 
So that's that bill. Now, how about two bills that are actually useful? There's two bills sponsored by my hero, Ron Paul. I don't have the numbers of these bills. I'll put links to them, though, in the show notes for you. One is a bill that Ron has submitted, and it's been referred to committee, and it is to abolish the Federal Reserve System, to completely get rid of it. As you might imagine, this bill has no co-sponsors at all. No one has co-sponsored this bill. No one will put their name next to Dr. Paul's name and say, yeah, I want to get rid of the Federal Reserve, too, which proves that our supposed Republican conservative fiscal conservative Republicans that are supposed to be out there defending the will of the people and limiting the power of government are not really doing the people's business because you would think at least a handful of them would see things that way, at least would be willing to sponsor the bill to try to get it into debate and discussion. Whether or not they actually want it done in the end, who knows, but you would think somebody, somebody somewhere would say, this is worthy of discussion, not if you're a coward. So that bill's in committee. We should probably call those committee members and tell them we want that bill to come out of committee. We want it debated on the House floor. Probably not going to happen. In fact, I would, if I was a betting man, I would lay 100 to 1. That bill's never going to come out of committee. But, you know, kudos to Dr. Paul, who, you know what, we give salutes of the week here on the Survival Podcast. It's a Friday. We need to do one this week. Salute of the week to, to, uh, to Ron Paul, as though he needs it from me, I guess, you know. Um, but the second bill, and this is why Ron gets a salute of the week, is also from Ron Paul. Ron Paul has another bill submitted to committee, and unlike the other one, this one has a lot of co-sponsors. Uh, it's it's 20-something or 40-something co-sponsors, which for a Ron Paul-initiated bill, that's a lot of sponsors. There's not a lot of guys getting on board with Ron, but this one's a little bit more mild. right? And it actually works in concert with the bill that's never going to come out of committee, and what it's, what it's requiring is transparency from the Federal Reserve. In other words, you know that $2 trillion that I talked about several times in the past that uh, that the Federal Reserve was asked, where'd the money go? Who has the money? How are you overseeing the money? Forbes and several other media outlets are suing them to release that information. Tell the American people what you did with their $2 trillion. Who has it? You know, just not... Don't justify that you did it. You have the power to do it, but tell us where it went. The Federal Reserve gave the American people a giant middle finger and said, you know what, we're not telling you. We're not going to tell you where the money is, and we don't have to. This bill would make them tell us where the money is. That's, that's all it is. It's making the Federal Reserve be required to open up their books to the people they work for, you and me, and tell us where the hell they're putting our money and be accountable to us about where the money is and do things like start telling us what the actual M3 money supply is instead of us having to estimate it because they say it's not that important that we know how much money's out there anymore. So there's your legislative update. It took up 10 minutes of the show. And uh, I just want you guys to know what's going on out there. And, and one more before I go into the debt issue today. Uh, I've got a ton of emails from people about this recent article that says the sun could erupt in a coronal mass ejection, hurl a big giant ball of plasma at the earth, and shut down our electrical grid. I've been asked if it's true and what my thoughts are on it. It's true and it's always been true. It's not new. 
It's not something that's being forecasted as a new event. It's something that we have always had since there's been an electrical grid running on AC power with transformers hanging up on poles. We've always had the potential for it to occur. It hasn't happened yet. The fact that they put a date in the article on New Scientist of 2014 has very little to do with reality except we're expecting solar storms of 2014, just like we've expected them over and over and over again. So the real thing here is that if the sun has a massive storm and does a big enough ejection and it hurls that ball of plasma at the planet and the atmosphere is not capable of causing it all to bounce off, instead of just having the northern lights way up in, you know, in Canada and Alaska and occasionally you, when a good storm you might see them down into like upstate New York or something like that. You might see the uh, northern lights down in the Carolinas or New York City or something and uh, that penetration through the atmosphere could shut down the grid. And I have a lot of people asking me, so should we put all our electronics in a Faraday cage? Well, if you're worried about EMP, yeah. I also looked at Survival Blog, uh, James Rawls' blog today, and he was comparing this to an EMP. They're very different, folks. If we have a major EMP event and you had an electrical device sitting on top of your desk turned off and not plugged into the grid, it could still be affected by the EMP. It's likely to be fried with a big EMP. That's not the case at all with the plasma event. It's a different type of interference. The risk, as I understand it, I could be wrong. If you're an electrical engineer you want to correct me, fine, let me know, and I'll correct it on the air. But my understanding is the risk is primarily to the transformers and shorting out and blowing out and burning up the transformers. And, of course, the big electrical substations. And if that happens, you know, grid-wide, we have a real problem. And about the only way that we could defend against this, if we knew the storm was coming, we had, you know, it's coming, it's going to be this bad, is if we shut the grid down, said, okay, it's going to be a voluntary blackout, we're going to completely do a controlled shutdown of the electrical grid, wait for the storm to pass and bring it back up, that that would actually save and salvage the grid, where with an EMP, even if you knew it was coming, you would still not be able to bring the grid completely back up. It would actually help. It would actually help but it wouldn't completely stop everything with an EMP. This is a it's just a different type of of phenomenon. It's being compared to an MP, EMP because it has a similar impact. So what should you do about it? Do the same stuff you've always done, but just understand that you know it's really a threat to AC driven power. So if you have a solar system, right, especially a 12 volt DC non grid tied solar system pretty much doesn't really cause a lot of problems, at least to my understanding. So let's not overreact to this. Let's understand this is a threat that's always been with us. It's another reason to prep. Now let's move on to debt. I want to give a very brief, this won't be like what I did, like, you know, the true cause of the American Revolution. There's a show called that you might want to listen to, uh, where I went deep into where the Federal Reserve came from. But I do want, to under, want Americans to understand that it is impossible for the U.S. dollar in its current form to exist without national debt. We will never pay off the national debt. We could pay it down, we cannot pay it off. If we paid the national debt to zero, there'd be no dollars left. Now, how the hell is that possible? Because the Federal Reserve and this fractional reserve monetary system, that's what we have here. You can look it up. I'm not making this no tinfoil hat stuff here at all. There is nothing backing our dollars today except the good faith and the goodwill of the American nation and its people and its output. 
much domestic output, how much we do here, and our willingness to make things right, and our word. That's it. There's no gold behind the dollar anymore. The last, the last little tiny vestiges of that went away in 75. A big piece of it went away in the 30s. And a huge step towards it happened in 1913 when the Federal Reserve was put in place. Now, what's the Federal Reserve? Well, you won't find it in the blue pages in your phone book under government offices. Federal Reserve is a private company made up of multiple banks and the heads of multiple banks. And even though you might see Bernanke out there running his mouth, is the chairman of the Federal Reserve, okay? The people that actually make the decisions in the Federal Reserve, you never see them and you never hear their names. There's some face front people and some names and all. The people that are really pulling the strings of the Federal Reserve are the top people in the banks that make it up and you never hear them, you never hear from them, you never see them. They do whatever they want behind a curtain. Again, you can go, if you read the statements from the Federal Reserve, you'll see that they state that pretty clearly. They don't have to answer to anybody. They're going to do whatever they want. And that's the way it was set up, and it's supposed to be that way, and it's completely legitimate. That's their, that's their claim. So what I'm telling you, they're doing things behind closed doors. We're not allowed to see inside. They won't tell us what they are, and they won't tell us who's really making the decisions. It's not me speaking. It's them speaking for themselves. Now, why does that matter? It matters because it allows them to manipulate things however they see fit for their own personal gain. There's nothing in it for them other than they're it's not, I'm doing it because they're nice guys, right? You know, these aren't these aren't these these guys make Joey the mafia boss look like nothing. They're, these guys are multi-billionaires that still don't have enough. They still want more. So how does the system work? The system works like this. The government asks for, or the Fed decides to, put more money in the game. Okay? That's important to understand. It's not always the government requesting it. Many times the Fed just does it by themselves. The $2 trillion we talked about earlier, that's an example of the Fed looked at some financial institutions or somebody, we don't really know who because they won't tell us, and they said, we need to saturate this place with money, we need to put $2 trillion into it, and they did this on their own without government approval. There's other times like a $700 billion bailout, $800 billion bailout, which is really a trillion dollar bailout by the time you look at the actual cost. That was where the government spent money we didn't have Right? Then said, okay, we've appropriated the funds. They turn to the Federal Reserve and say, we need the money. Either way, generally speaking, this is what happens. The Fed issues something called a T-bill, which is basically a certificate for a return of your investment. So anybody can purchase a T-bill. And a T-bill will pay you a certain interest rate, 1%, half a percent, 2%, depending on where interest is. Then, mostly foreign governments come in and purchase the United States T-bills. That is then held as collateral to print our money and distribute it to us. So that makes new U.S. dollars. Someone has to loan money for the money to come out the door, at least most of the time. And that's better than the other time. The other time is what just happened. The Fed stepped in and purchased a trillion dollars of its own debt, 
so that it could print money. What does that mean? That means they issued the T-bills and they held on to them as their own creditor and printed money. This might sound complicated, but let me make it abundantly clear. You're running a counterfeit operation. You're printing fake money. But what you do is you issue a certificate to get somebody else to put money in to back your money to make your money real. In other words, you say, okay, I'll tell you what. If you purchase my 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 Jack Spirico bills at a dollar, I'll pay you back a dollar and two cents, and that way I'll use your money to back my bills, and now my bills are legitimate. But nobody wants my bills, so what I do is I issue a certificate to myself and I print them anyway. <laughs> we just did that with a trillion dollars, so that's even worse. But that's the only two ways that money goes into our system. There's an interest rate there, though, which means in your pocket, if you have some cash right now, pull it out and look at it. Look at a 5, look at a 10, look at a 1, look at a 20. That's not money. It's a certificate for debt. Your dollar represents a dollar and two cents or a dollar and four cents, depending on how long it's been out, maybe a dollar and 20 cents of debt that we as a nation owe back to the Federal Reserve who printed the money in the first place. And we have to pay them with dollars, and the only place we get our dollars is from them. You see the treadmill. This is what caused the American Revolution. The Bank of England, owned by the king, was doing the same thing to the colonists before the American Revolution. The colonists created their own money, free of debt, and the king stepped in and prevented that. Taxation without representation is a tiny part of what drove the American Revolution. The real cause of the American Revolution was the failure of the king to allow the colonists to operate an honest money system free of debt. And my source on that, Benjamin Franklin, who wrote it. You can look that up if you want to. So that's how the system works. Now why does this matter? Because we, in all our business, in all our operations, in all our daily living in America, are existing in a microcosm of that system. We have to understand that system so we understand its perpetual, gerbil on a wheel nature so that we can exist as outside of it as possible. We cannot get away from it. It's impossible for us 100% to get away from that system because we can't do anything other than leave America to totally get away from it. We're surrounded by it. And anywhere you go today in a modern country, they run their, their, their economy the same way. This is one big global money Ponzi scheme. Because the, the foreign investor, the Chinaman, the Japaneseman, the, the, the Englishman, the Frenchman, who comes in and represents his nation and buys our foreign debt, where does he get his money? He gets his money from his country, France, with the euro, England with the pound, Japan with the yen. And they take their money and they buy our money with it. But, where do they get their money? Well, their nation issues a treasury note that somebody else can... See? All a big circle of nonsense to create a fake money supply that exists as national debt for every nation under the sun. Now we have a few bankers in the world holding the entire world as their debt slaves. And that again, it's not Illuminati, that's not conspiracy. Read the documentation of the Federal Reserve System. See how it works in their own words, and you'll see I'm telling you 100% fact. So what do you
you do about it. There's not much you can do about it right now other than support things like Dr. Ron Paul's initiatives to make the Federal Reserve more transparent. Why do you think that he would do one bill to just get rid of it and another bill just to make it transparent? Because he knows we can't get rid of it today. It's impossible. Can't, can, cannot do it overnight. The, the American people need to be outraged so that we see what's really going on. So you create transparency first so we can look at it and the American people can go, what the hell is going on? And maybe then we'll build up enough momentum to get rid of it. But for now, I want you to look at how this applies to you. You right now, sitting in your car listening to me, sitting behind your desk at work listening to me, listening to me after work at home while you're cleaning up the house or making dinner or whatever it is, however you listen to me, I want you to think about how this applies to you. You can see that this is an inescapable trap as long as you want to keep having more. More stuff. That's how the nation runs. Our economy has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. More buildings, more houses, more people, more cars. One one car to a family is not enough. We need two. Now every kid has to have a car. Now, you know what? We need a spare car. And we should know everybody should have a boat. Everybody needs to swim. As long as you keep increasing what you have at a rate faster than your earnings capability, the debt spiral continues and it creates slavery. The average American, the average American family today, four family unit, two kids, two adults, both working, has over $20,000 of unsecured debt. Not a car loan, not a mortgage, that's basically credit card or bank, direct bank loans for things that don't really have anything secure against them. Twenty grand. Twenty grand. And most of that debt is on consumer craft that's already broken or thrown away or given away or abandoned or not used anymore. It's a five-generation old iPod. It's a cellular phone that you just had to have, couldn't pay for. You bought it anyway. It's a grocery bill. It's a night out. Hey, we're going to spoil ourselves. I know we're short on cash, but we're going to go out and we're going to have a $100 tab dinner tonight because we deserve it. It's crap like that. I'm not opposed to any of those things if you can afford them. But it's this need for more, 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 more that drives inflation in our economy because what the government says is no matter how big our debt is, if we keep driving the inflation up, it keeps the debt level. In other words, if we owe a million dollars... Right, today, and the dollar has a value of one, and tomorrow we owe two million dollars, but the dollar has a value of half, we owe the same amount of money. That sounds very counterintuitive, because it doesn't make any sense unless you're the people pulling the strings. Alright? This is exactly how the American thought process led us into the mortgage mess. Sure, I'm going to buy this house for $25,000 over its appraisal, but that doesn't matter. Because the price of the houses are just going up, 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 and it's going to be worth 100000 more next year if I don't buy it now. And then it didn't happen. And then it dropped 100000 instead of going up 1000 And now the person is sitting on this upside-down debt. 
Well, can we learn anything from our government about how to get out of debt? Can our government teach us how to get out of debt? And I think right now you're sitting there going, Jack, you're out of your freaking mind. How the heck is the government going to teach us how to get out of debt when they've had a skyrocketing national debt that's gotten worse and worse and worse all the way since when did it really start to go up? 1975, we got rid of the last vestiges of the gold. Boom! Look at the national debt. It grows. It grows under FDR. It grows through, the, you know, right, right all through Vietnam and everywhere. It grows. But look at what happens to it in 75. Look what happens to it in 1980 under no less than Ronald Reagan. Look what happens to it under the Clinton years. Look what happens to it under the Bush senior year, Bush junior years. Watch it just keep going and going, getting worse and worse and worse. How can they teach us how to get out of debt? They don't know how to get out of debt, but they know how to get into debt. All right, so let's look at everything the government does and say if we as Americans in our own households did exactly the opposite, would it get us out of debt? Well, what's the first thing that the government does? They make their money dependent on nothing but debt. In other words, there is no source of income. There's only debt. There's no gold standard. So what if we as Americans put away in our you know savings we took 5% of our savings 10% some fractional portion and at least put ourselves some level on the gold standard and bought a little bit of gold and i'm saying 2% 5 i don't care what it's just some percentage some hedge we put that there okay we think the us should be on the gold standard maybe we should put ourselves just a little bit on the gold it's just a starting point gold's volatile cuz they're playing a game with the money that can bite you in the ass with the gold, if you're not careful. If you put all your money in gold, they can do things that could cause us harm. So we put a little bit there. So now we've we've got money in both games. What's the next thing that the government does? The government spends money that they do not have. We need this, so we're going to put money there, and then we'll figure out how to finance it and fund it. All right? So what if we don't do that? What if we don't buy things that we don't already have funding for? The government continues to borrow when it's already deeply in debt. What if we stop borrowing? Wherever you're at now, you stop borrowing until you can at least pay significantly down on the debt that you have. In fact, you never borrow again unless you're purchasing an asset, a true asset, a house, a car, or something else that there's no other way to pay for other than to finance it, because people normally don't have enough cash to do it, all financing is low interest and short term or you don't do it. Your credit's not good enough to get a car without an 18% loan, don't buy a car. Don't buy a new car. Or go buy a $1,000 car on credit. Because you you know what? If you have $1,000 cash, (laughs) go down to a piece of crap car lot, buy a $1,000 car on credit. Don't get the loan from the car loan. Get the loan from your bank. Put the $1,000 in the bank. Say, I want to establish credit with you. I want to buy this $1,000 car. It'll cost you 1200 bucks. By the time you're done paying for it, that'll build your credit so you can borrow money when it makes sense. Very, very simple. If you're deeply in debt, what do you need to do? You need to get the hell out of debt. Now, we're telling our government to get out of debt, and they are staying in debt by continuing to borrow and continuing to overspend. 
As simple as it sounds, the only thing you have to do to learn from our government is do exactly the opposite. Stop borrowing, stop overspending. We tell the government, hey, you guys are wasting our money. Quit overspending. So why don't we quit overspending? Most American families are overspending still today. Now, the pundits will come out and say, well, it'll hurt the economy further. The American people stop spending. It'll drive us deeper in a recession. And my statement is, it might. But so what? It's still the right thing to do. Because the only way we're going to get out of this recession... It's, it's really a depression, people. It's, it's, it's actually a depression. But anyway, the only thing we're going to get out of this is for people to become stable and secure and know they're not going to lose their homes, they're not going to lose the things that are important to them, and they're going to be able to afford to put food on their table tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Well, the way you do that is you take the American consumer that's out of control, you reign in control, and yes, you buy less crap. And yes, that contracts our economy. You know what? Our freaking economy is contracting anyway. You better contract your household greater than the economic contraction. So if the economy is contracting at 14%, you better contract your spending in your household at a number greater than 14%, or you're going deeper into the hole, even if you don't have any surface layer debt. Your power is declining by whatever percentage you fail to contract along with the economy. Sound complicated? It's not. There's less money out there, so you should spend less money too. Very simple. You're running a microcosm. If you run it exactly like the country, your household ends up in the same shape as the country, but worse. And why worse? Because your income is finite. You work a job. And when you need more money, you can't just go to your boss and say, Hey, 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 my expenses are out of control. I'm going to have to cut my essential services to you, boss. Right? I'm not going to be able to show up at 8 o'clock in the morning anymore. I'm going to start showing up at 10. I'm going to have to cut two hours of service unless you give me a raise. You get your ass fired. But our government can do that anytime they want to through the power of taxation. So they can run this Ponzi scheme longer than you can run it in your home. So how do you get out of debt? It's pretty simple. It really is. There's no magic to it. You immediately quit borrowing money. You stop. If you're in debt right now, you stop borrowing. You go through your family budget and you cut it like a maniac. You list every expense that you have and you go and you cut anything you can cut. You go extreme initially. If you decide after your first month of being extreme with your cuts that you're getting enough progress that you can bring a little bit of it back, go ahead. But go ahead and cut it first. Then you look at all your debt. You take the smallest one. You take every extra penny you can scrape that month and you put it on your smallest debt. And you do it over and over and over. You don't care what the interest rate is. You don't give a damn about the interest rate. If this sounds like Dave Ramsey, one place he and I completely agree is on how to do this. You can have a 17 percent interest rate on a $10,000 loan, you have a 1% interest on a $1,000 loan, you pay the $1,000 loan first because you'll pay it off quicker. As soon as you finish paying the smallest debt you have, you take all the money you've been putting on the smallest debt, you apply it to the next debt in total size, and you pay on that one until it's gone. And you keep doing that. By the time you get to your final debt, if you have a lot of debt, like most people have 2000 on this card, 7000 on this card, 10000 on this card, and $12,000 on the medical bills. By the time you get to the last bill, the payments you're making are enormous, and you're just taking it out overnight. The last bill gets paid off quicker than the first bill for most people. And then you take all that, 
and you take half of it and you start putting it into savings, and you take the other half and you start throwing it at your mortgage and you pay your house off. And then most people, even no matter how much debt they have, no matter how low or high their income is, if they work hard, they're extreme, they make do with what they have to, they look for more ways to make money, most people pay off everything including their house in five to seven years they actually do that. No matter how deep in debt they are. Isn't that amazing? That's what I want for people. I focus on debt as a survival topic. Because think about all the things you'd like to do to be better prepared for the worst. And most of them cost money. Where do you get money? You work for it. Where does your money go? If you're like most Americans, it goes primarily to your debt. You want to be scared. You want something to be frightened by. Sit down at the end of the month and make three categories. Make four categories for your money. Money that you spend is cash just because you feel like it. Nice to have things. Dinner, drinks, right? iTunes, whatever. Just money that you freely spend that's cash. Make another column and call it savings. Money that you save. Money that you're putting away in the bank. What is that? Then make a category, call it bills. Now, bills are not your credit card bills. They're not your mortgage bills. They're all the bills that you're actually paying as they come due that are essential. Your electric bill, your water bill, your sewer bill, your tax bill, those types. Put all the money that goes into there into another category. Right? And then make a fourth category, call it debt. And put all the payments that go against debt. Where the payment is not paying down the debt so much as it's paying the interest on the debt. You might make a $1,000 payment and $800 of its interest and only $200 is against the actual debt. And see what percentage of your income is being used to pay on debt even though you're in a perpetual gerbil wheel and you're not really getting out. It'll wake you up. It'll make you understand that this is not the way to live. We can't force our government to balance its budget. We can't. Not yet. We can't force our government to stop overspending. We can't force our government to put some kind of real asset behind at least a portion of their money. Some level of a gold, silver, some level of a commodity standard. We can't force our government to live within its means. Again, not yet. Maybe at some point the American people will wake up. But every one of you that complains about these things, every one of you that's infuriated by these things, you have your own little kingdom. You have your own little place. I don't care if it's a small, tiny apartment building. I've been there, folks. I lived in one. I lived in an apartment. It was 400 square feet. And it was half my paycheck to pay for it. It was all I could afford. It was my kingdom, and I treated it that way. Or you live in a nice home, or you have a ranch, or you have a farm. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you live in a box on the street. It's yours. It's your kingdom. Run your little mini kingdom the way our nation should be running our republic. If enough of us do that, it won't matter what they do anymore. They won't be able to wave shiny things in front of us and tempt us. MasterCard and Visa won't be able to tempt us. Again, I'll bring this up. What do you think your grandmother would have done, I don't know, about 1950? She waddled out to her mailbox, opened it up, and inside there was a nice shiny envelope, and inside there was, you've been pre-approved for $5,000 of credit with MasterCard. She would have shredded it and used it to feed the compost pile. 
she would have laughed about it, told her friends, do you, they want to give me five, what the hell's wrong with this? These guys are stupid. You better not invest in this crap. These idiots are giving money to people that don't have it. This can't work forever. Your grandmother was a hell of a lot smarter than these Nobel Prize winning economists that are winning, that are running our economy today. She was a hell of a lot smarter. She knew that debt didn't belong in the hands of people that could not afford its heavy, heavy chain that it put around their neck. She knew that if you had enough money to really afford debt, you didn't need it. And that you should only borrow for things that you actually need and that you know how long it's going to take you to pay it back. And that when you make that agreement with somebody to pay it back, you shed blood to make sure that you meet the commitment. Not just because it's the right thing to do, because it's the only way that you're going to end up in good shape yourself. That it's a self-preservation move that when you're in debt, you always keep your word and you always pay your bills. Our grandparents would never have the problem that we have today. And our great-grandparents certainly wouldn't. Our grandparents and our great-grandparents were the original survivalists in the United States of America. They knew how to make do with what they had. They knew how to fix things when it broke, and they knew how to stay out of debt. My message for you is listen to them speaking to you across the generations. Perhaps your grandparents are gone. Mine are gone. Perhaps you barely even knew a great-grandparent or never did. I knew one of my great-grandparents, and by the time I met him, he had problems with his throat. He couldn't even speak anymore. But yet, all of them speak to me across the generations. The Ukrainian immigrant speaks to me across the generations and says, we came here for something better. Don't squander it. Don't waste what we gave you and remember our wisdom. And I'm asking you, listen. Listen now. Your ancestors are speaking across the generations to you, and they're sharing that same wisdom. It was common. It was commonplace just a hundred years ago. Listen to them, follow their example, and you'll start living a better life. This has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent. 